For the rest of the Premier League, Todd Bowley could be the gift that keeps on giving. But if you're a Chelsea fan, let's start to get worried. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show with myself, Roy Shanahan, in a week where Erling Haaland turned into Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Graham Potter may very well need to turn into Harry Potter to turn things around at Chelsea <laughs> and Liverpool turn into old Liverpool. Well, kind of. Joining me is David Bugle and Neil Dobbs from Kickoff.com. And Neil, Potter to Chelsea... It looks like it's logical, but the problem is the person who has brought him in doesn't seem to be entirely logical himself. Let's let's talk about Todd. Yeah, Todd has to come in and, and, and kind of been like a cyclone or something that's hit the Premier League this year. And I don't know why we're all surprised. He's a billionaire. He's a guy with too much money and maybe a little less sense. There's a narrative out there that he's playing fantasy football. Um, but I guess from our perspective, it, there's a little bit of entertainment that's after coming with him. There could be more of a contrast, I guess, between himself and Abramovich other than the money. As far as the media profile, the persona, the fact that he's grabbing the headlines. And I guess he's coming out with a couple of funny ones around, you know, all-star games. And he's thrown out kind of Americanism ideas that the English aren't really too hot on. But uh, on a football side of things, he's installed Graham Potter. And I guess we're all kind of waiting to see where this appointment goes. Dave, an all-star game. W- would you like to see an all-star game? North versus South? <laughs> would, it, would it work? When would you put it in? Who would be playing? Yeah, like, obviously everyone would scoff at it because of tradition and stuff. And like, could you put it at the end of the season when players really don't want it and there's probably internationals coming? I think the only way you could probably make it work and make it interesting if it was like... Obviously, the charity shield is there, so you can't touch that. But if that wasn't there, maybe a week or two, but then you'll have managers giving out going, what if one of my players picks up an injury? So when you do it, it's hard to tell. But at the same time, there's a tiny bit of you that's going, geez, I wish it was, you were able to incorporate it in some way. Because it could be interesting a bit of knocking South or some of those skilled games that they've done over the years. Because somebody put one up, I don't know if you've seen it doing the rounds the last few days, goalie wars. From about the mid nineties when the oh, MLS first started. What was that? Oh yeah, where, deadly. Just hashtag goalie wars or whatever. So they're, very, they're about twenty five maybe yards apart, uh, and they're both in a goal, and oh, they can throw yeah. it at each other. Like they can score a goal. Sure, we used to play it, that. Like, Did we not? Throw it out. Yeah, maybe, but like there's a clip, and it just looks so good. And the, the, the keepers are pulling off brilliant saves, and of course, one of them eventually gets a goal. And it was like his 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 elder brother is an MLB pitcher, and he hits it, <laughs> hits a racket into the top corner. <laughs> With a, with a show but it just looked interesting and don't get me wrong some of this would be fun but if and when you could do it maybe every year the year when when the, when when there isn't an international tournament otherwise there'd just be far too much giving out far too much great but there's a tiny little bit of you going eh it'd be a bit of crack <laughs> it, it would be a little bit of crack but yeah, I, I can't see it. As you said, the, the managers yeah. be kicking there's up a fuss. There's too many stumbling blocks, mate, there's, isn't there? there's too many tournaments. There's not enough weeks. And even this week when the games are yeah. called off, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to play all these games with the World Cup stuck in between. So yeah. I, I just can't see it. Neil, it's a, an all-star game. 
he's looking at it from a financial point of view. He's saying that the, over in America they made 200 million off it, uh, you know, for a couple of days' work. Mm. But really, the Premier League has worked absolute billions. Does it need another 200 million for a, a game like this? I think the biggest problem with the game, Roy, is what's your target audience and, and who wants to see, you know, yeah. Harry Kane mixed with Rashford playing against somebody else. I don't know whether it becomes a bit of a circus or if it becomes something watchable. Like, would you tune in for it? You know, I quite like the Charity Shield if, in its format that, especially yeah. the last few years, you've had a game with a little bit of meat towards it and it's a week away from the start of the season and you, you kind of want to see the outcome of who's kind of going to be out of the blocks a little bit quicker than the other. But an all-star game to me reeks of, you know, like a charity match and, you know, a little bit of banter on the field and that type of thing. And I, I don't know whether... At least me personally, I wouldn't be tuning in just to watch it. Maybe for the novelty once, but I wouldn't mm. be paying to see it. And I don't think I'd be going out of my way to, you know, buy an all-star jersey, for example. Yeah, I think it'd be. I think it'd be like one of those, you know, ma- not master games. What you know, the games where all the outfielders go in from Newcastle yeah, and, 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 yeah. and they play each other yeah. and they're walking around. The play. I, I, I just don't think there'd be any intensity. I, I think it'd be a bit of a laugh and a no. joke. I can't see it being serious. So. Uh, no, uh, Dave, and there's, you know, he's he's already talked about how the the academy. This is Todd now. We'll just call him Todd oh, from yeah. now on. Todd, how Todd's talked yeah. about his academy and De Bruyne and Salah have come out of it, and you know, is is, is <laughs> sometimes sometimes bad publicity isn't bad publicity if you know what I mean. Sometimes you kind of you're you're you're, yeah. you're in the news all the time, but. Todd needs to just settle down and, and just get into the job. It could he be a distraction? This is yeah. where I'm looking at it now from, you know, Graham Potter has a job to do there, but he doesn't need a bit of a clown, I suppose, over him making stupid yeah. comments and then his his news conferences are, are fueled by that. Yeah, exactly. And like at the end of the day, this still is sport. Uh, when, when, when push comes to show and it's England, you know, the... They're, they're marketed slightly different in America, and he probably does think uh, any any press is good press, and no matter what, as long as his name is making column inches and putting the Chelsea brand out there, he'd be delighted. But deep down, eventually, if it carries on, I'm no doubt Graham Potter was not going to start and say, "Listen, this is becoming a distraction for me and taking away from what I want to do," without a shadow of a doubt. But like that's where he's bringing in a lot of Americanisms. I know there's a bit of a fear factor and now Gary Neville's brought it in a bit now and he's banging the drum again about regulators and this, that and the other. Like FSG and a few of the others are there are a little bit more subtle about it and a little bit more give and take in how it's done here and here's what we need. Like they're, they're trying to marry the two where this guy is really coming in all guns a blazing with the Americanisms without much thought or that's not how it's done here, mate. But like, at least the others, there's a bit of give and take. While he's coming in, a bit of a wrecking ball. But we'll see how long that was to, that's to last. Because um, Chelsea fans obviously were delighted in the summer because he was throwing the money around. But if if Graham Potter doesn't take off and potentially he could be gone in December, like they joke, you know, all of a sudden Chelsea become a bit of a laughing stock considering um, the massive investment that's gone in and, and, and for for obviously quick success. Neil, that's exactly it. You look at the team that played the other night and we'll just talk about them on the pitch. Bami Yang is there, but he's, I don't even, I can't see a Bami Yang doing anything for them. I, I, I have no faith in a Bami Yang at all. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that, Roy. And I mean, look, he, he, I think he went with a team. He, he put Alistair Laqueda back into the side because he's the captain or club captain. He stuck with Thiago in the back line and then he, he also reverted to a back four. Now, watching the game, I, I still think Chelsea were fairly impressive in spells and they dominated the game. But that same old thing from Tuchel's reign where they just couldn't put the ball in the net and they did create quite a few chances. Um, I think for me, you know, with the new signings, with the money that's thrown in there, and you're looking at Graham Potter, and I don't know about you, but I, I you know, you look at his pre-career. He, he started off at a very, very low level. He built himself up. He built up his name. He went to Swansea. He went to Brighton, and yet I don't know. Part of me wants him to succeed at Chelsea to say that this guy can come from grassroots up, and yet I don't know if the environment that he's in. As Dave is saying there, like, will he just be the first to go as soon as Boelli goes? Yeah, I, I'm done with him and, and, and I'm going to move on to somebody better. So he's kind of gotten his chance. You would have liked him maybe to get his chance at a, at a different club in a different format that might have given him a bit more stability and time and transfer windows to put his mark on the club. So I, I worry for him a little bit, but I definitely think he's at least... On a positive note, he's after inheriting a squad that is absolute talent from top to bottom. And again, my, my only concern would be, and I'd agree to 100%, putting your fate in a Bamiyang is a very, very dangerous thing. Just ask Mikel Arteta. So that would be, for me, the only question mark over it. Now, whether he can convert a Sterling or the, as Tuchel tried to do, try some sort of a trio up front that will contribute goals, I don't know. Even the other but, night, uh, though, Neil, Sterling, Sterling was... Tracking back an awful lot. Like there's nothing wrong with tracking back, but he's kind of that forward player that you're looking to counter attack and 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 create the goals. He's the one scoring the goals at the moment. So, do you really want Sterling back in in left full uh, defending when he's probably your option for counter attacking? No, I wouldn't think so. But I, I don't know if that's going to be the norm under under Graham Potter now. Is he going to have that type of formation? I mean, the big one is is he going to stick with a back four? Like that was out of nowhere, and he's played with a back three at, at Brighton as well. So that was a big call for him to make. He's got a load of big calls to make in the team because the team does it is overpowered in the back line and midfield now due to the signings that they've made. Well, let's be honest, he's going to make or break his 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 mould by what he can do up front. Can he get something that Tuchel couldn't get? out of the same side bar Aubameyang and again like you swap Lukaku for Aubameyang are you getting any better pedigree are you getting any more legs any more willing runs so that would be my big fear for him um, just, just that final that extra little bit up front that would make a bit of a difference OK it's going to be interesting with Todd and Potter Potter I think is a, is a really really good manager I think he's a really really good coach I think he's level headed I think he has everything that he can he has can succeed with that club it's just what what he's going to be given is he going to be given time um, and is there going to be a bit of a circus around him so it'll be interesting in that regard but I've no doubt if there's a bit of patience there that he will do a decent job but you know what Chelsea doesn't matter you can win the Champions League and you can still be gone the next year so it's a, a little bit crazy like that OK, we'll be talking a little bit later about Paul Pogba and his brother and uh, Celtic and Rangers, how they're getting on in the Champions League. But we go, Dave, to Liverpool. A little bit better against Ajax. But does that mean yeah. that yeah, like, everything's cured and, and they're raring to go to, to push on and win this Champions League? Or are, are they a little bit off that still? Yeah, look, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but a little bit, Liverpool like with how they made hard work of it you know dominated in a spell where when they got the first goal the second goal had it come I think it would have been a far easier night 
they kind of, as much as Ajax did try and get back into it, I think it was more Liverpool's doing that kind of kept them involved. But overall, a win would have been deserved. It was just very hard work, which I don't think it should have been. I think the press had improved again. I know there's a few people waxing lyrical about Thiago, but obviously, considering how much we're lacking anything in there, he's a, he's a must to be back, which is which is good to see. But, um, you know, overall, a step in the right direction. But I won't get overly excited. But it, the, the energy was back a little bit, which was good to see. But, uh, yeah, just to capitalise when we're dominating. Like, and, and whenever Liverpool drop points or... Or kind of lose out in games. I mean, it's kind of when they don't get that second goal or that killer goal that just puts teams to bed and it just takes that bit of fight out of teams. You know, everyone and their mother knows. As long as it's one nil or nil, all there's all you've always a bit of fight. There's always a bit of fight left in the dog, and we just made a bit too much hard work of that in that sense. And obviously, Daily Blind's miss just was the icing on the cake. That's when you kind of knew, yeah, just maybe we'll pull it off. And thankfully, Matic did in the 89th minute. So overall, performance-wise, pleased but just made a little bit too much hard work. It would have been nice to capitalise. But look, I think that's another debate where is he still trying to find that front three and that's why there's a bit of... Maybe that's why the goals aren't coming thick and fast uh, at times because obviously we're not sure who it is. It seems to be Diaz and Salah are quite settled. So obviously with Jota coming straight in was a bit of a surprise. He he did quite well considering his first game back. So is he trying to light a fire under Nunes? Hard to tell. And obviously Firmino's there. So I... I hope he doesn't tinker with it too much. Too much. I hope he does find who his front three are and then settle it down because obviously that was one of Liverpool's strengths. Even though it was kind of a weakness, if you want to win everything, but I think it was one of their strengths that they were quite set and then became a quite a slick operation. So we'll wait. Tiago back in the team, Neil. Um, Arthur, there's rumours today saying that he may very well have his bags packed already, only after two weeks in the club. That yeah. that Klopp is not impressed by him whatsoever. So it's hugely important then that Thiago is back and, and Fabinho are back in that midfield. Is Jordan Henderson the missing piece out of that midfield trio? Yeah, I, I think Henderson still has a part to play. You know, even whatever saying about him as the captain, more so, and David appreciate this, that when Henderson operates to the right-hand side of Fabinho, he just gives that added, extra added uh, insurance on Trent Alexander. And I know he's getting reamed at the moment, for what he does going back towards his own goal. Well, Henderson does put in a better shift than anyone else that I know in the, in the right-hand side of the Liverpool midfield trio. And I think that's very important for that going forward. So I definitely think there's a place for him. But I think we've experienced even over the last 12 months that Henderson still won't be the man for 90 minutes. And in a, in a week where you have two games a week, he'll have to be rested and he'll have to be a 60-minute man one match and a 30-minute man in the next. So I think he appreciates that himself. There's never been a kind of a grumbling, but we definitely miss having that strength and depth in the middle. So Thiago, and I mean, let's be honest, Arthur, I wouldn't pack any bags because at a moment's notice, Curtis Jones, Thiago, someone gets an injury, and it will happen. Naby Keita can't stay off the injury table. Oxlade-Chamberlain doesn't even play for them anymore. So I wouldn't be going anywhere. I'd stick in and try to dig in now. If there's an internal comment saying that he's not quite happy with Arthur, I don't know, look, we'll wait and see. But it would be disappointing not to at least see him over a couple of games to make your own judgment on him. If it's true, Neil, it means more temperament than attitude, really, more so than how he's played because he hasn't really played. So you'd be you'd be cautious and, and slightly worried about that coming out. Um, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more. But Dave... It, similar things are coming out about Nunes as well and do you feel that Nunes is being 
rounded off, trying to, they're trying to polish them as in, listen, you had a big ego yeah. coming here. You, you did believe in yourself an awful lot, but you're with Liverpool now and uh, you need to focus, yeah. put your head down and try and improve your game. And you're with a team now. It's not about you. Absolutely. Like, yeah, but the hard work only starts now, really. Because now you're at the very pinnacle. Like, there's not too many teams you could argue that are better. Um, and usually, like, considering what Liverpool have been doing the last couple of years, the only way is down, really, if it doesn't go well here. You know, you're not going to City or Madrid or Barcelona if, if, you, if, you, know, if you don't succeed at Liverpool. Um, he's a fiery character and a feisty character, without a shadow of a doubt, and he definitely has a swagger. So I would not be surprised if that bit of arrogance is there. But if anyone can round that off, it's definitely Liverpool. And maybe that's where the whole kind of putting Jotty in straight away just to prove a point and say, that's what I need from you as well as I need that fire, but I need you to commit to the squad and commit to the team and how we do things here, you know. So it'll be interesting to see um, that dynamic and hopefully it doesn't fester and it just it's just a little simmer at the minute and then it just goes away with a bit of luck. But, um, you know, the one thing... The ultimate strength for Liverpool is their unity, is the eleven. Like it is one for all and all for one, without a shadow of a doubt. So that can't, like, no matter how much we want Nunes to work, if he's a problem or anyone's a problem, they've got to go, no matter who they are. Because the, you look at any good team, and you look at United or anyone who's trying to come up, anyone who's a spanner in that works, they've got to go, and you've got to be ruthless. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now we'll be talking about Erling Haaland and City and uh, how. They just seem to steamroll teams now at the moment, even when there's a challenge put up to them. But, Neil, we might as well go and talk about Celtic and Rangers. Seems Rangers are in Liverpool's group. And you brought it up that you feel the Celtic and Rangers are getting smashed up and uh, are they going to finish last in their group? And is there a, a big gap between them and the rest of the teams? I suppose let's, let's, let's hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I guess I watched the Celtic versus Madrid game. So look, I, I don't think they're going to get smashed up every week. I think Celtic have equipped themselves fairly well. If you watch the Madrid game in the first half, Celtic really had a crack at them. You know, home atmosphere, everyone roaring onto the pitch. And Madrid almost kind of meandered out of second to third gear every now and then. It was nil all for a long time. And then just out of nowhere, Madrid did what Madrid do best. They strung two passes together, a ball across the box and the ball is in the net. And all of a sudden, it was almost like Madrid are in ninth gear and Celtic are in second. But look, I would expect a, a goal from that kind of class. But I will give them, you know, some kudos in the first half in particular. They equipped themselves well. They didn't change their style. And I think they kept saying that beforehand, look, we're going to go and we're going to attack them. So from that point of view, fair enough job done. But you're still losing 3-0. And then you have Rangers going out and they got smashed up by Napoli. You know, and it's just, I, I, I would say Celtic are equipping themselves better. They look a better outfit. They look better on the ball. But for Rangers, it almost feels a step too high that they just don't seem to have that quality and that teams. It'll be interesting when they come up against Liverpool, I guess, because will the local derby, act, you know, side of it give them an extra edge and, you know, maybe give them a, a, an unlikely result? Or will Liverpool go out there and be able to be what Liverpool are and just wipe the floor with them? So I will hold full judgment until I see that the, I think the Liverpool game might even be back to back until I see that game. But for me at the moment, Celtic seems to be hanging in there, but I still expect them to finish low. And Rangers, I just think, are going to finish rock bottom. And look, it's our first year, it's first time back for years. 
Yeah, I uh, I agree with the Celtic and Real Madrid game. Celtic needed it. one thing, you know, on the top level, you have to take your chances when you have your chances because mm. it'll come back and bite you in the arse. They didn't take their couple of chances in the first half, which were good, good chance. I mean, the one they hit off the post and went across the line. Yeah. That's that's one you need to sneak in. But they had a couple of other chances then just in, in that first half. It was huge because Celtic were passing triangles all around uh, Real Madrid in the first half. I don't think Real Madrid expected Celtic to be as good on the ball and moving the ball around. But watching it, Ancelotti changed it in the second half and he brought all his players in, the wide players in, his, his centre forward, uh, took them back. So they had about four players in the centre and midfield and Celtic just couldn't pass the ball then. They kept losing the ball. They didn't know where to go and then their wingers were isolated and that's how, you know, it It looked like they just stepped up again and started passing the ball Real Madrid but they were so much more effective by cutting off the supply into their strikers and, and uh, using the midfield uh, three or four who were rotating but they had no space to rotate. So I thought that Ancelotti really killed them off then uh, with that kind of... Uh, tactical change but Celtic I watched the other night against Shakhtar Donetsk and bar Shakhtar Donetsk goal at Murdoch I think he's called 20, 29th minute there it is there he scored bar that Shakhtar didn't really do too much and in the second half Celtic actually battered them and I'm looking at the stats here uh, shots on target 8-2 to two, Celtic uh, shots off target 6-0 to nil, Celtic um 53% possession, five corners to two to Celtic. All the, Basically all the stats, I could read all these out, but they all go in favour of Celtic here. And the game, just watching the game, let alone the stats, Celtic should have won that game. And they had chances. They had about three or four great chances and, and, and just didn't put them away. And again, that could kill them. That could that could put them down, as you said, Neil, they may not, they may not finish bottom, but it, it might knock them out or might put them into the Europa League. I do think Celtic are... Um, they, they should have beaten Shaq there that's absolutely no doubt and I think they could beat them uh, at home and I think their home form they could get points out of this and sneak through I don't think there's a gulf between Celtic and, and the other teams uh, the likes of Shaq there and stuff I agree with you with Rangers Rangers are uh, a, a little bit different uh, they're, they're just missing something um, Dave when you look at Rangers in, in, in that game they had a man sent off they need everything going well to try and get a result, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and to be honest, the more worrying uh, scenario was the IX game last week because they had the full squad and IX picked them off quite comfortably. More Napoli made hard work for a while, but eventually the, the cream rose to the top. Um, you look at Calvin Bassey playing for IX, had a great game actually at Anfield, ironically, and he's ex Rangers. Um, Morelos is on the downward curve and the uh, expanded waistline by the looks of it. I know I can't talk, but like it's just, <laughs> yeah, it looks like they had their, they, they've had their peak and they've lost a player or two and then what's still there is just, yeah, unfortunately. And they, they can't throw the money on it the way the way the other guys go. So if there's a gulf, yes, there is in, in, in monetary terms without a shadow of a doubt. But unfortunately, um, a, a refresh for, for Rangers to really try and, uh, and, and be as competitive as what Celtic are doing right now is needed. And, um, the only saving grace uh, is it's a local derby like Liverpool rolled off Celtic on a couple of occasions in the last say 20-25 years they played up there and, and Celtic got them both times where I don't think many people would have expected it 
So write them off at your peril as they might find a bit extra, but at the same time, deep down, I don't think we, any of us expect it to happen. However, you know, strange things happen in, in, in football, as we know, but I just think that they've lost a couple of players and they're just, yeah, one or two of them have, have kind of are on the, are on the wrong side of, the, of, of their peak and it could be nasty, it could be six from six for them, unfortunately, but uh, the only saving grace, like I said, is that Battle of Britain, they might just pull something out of a bag in Ibrox or something and find that extra gear or that extra bit of inspiration, but I'm, I'm clutching, to be honest. Now, I'm going to throw in a story of the week because a 13-year-old schoolboy has made history by becoming the yeah. youngest senior footballer in the UK. Christopher Atherton came on as a second-half substitute for Northern Irish club Glen Avon in the League Cup aged 13 years, 329 days, which is absolutely <laughs> astonishing. Not only, though, did he come on and set that record, but he provided an assist with his first touch uh, and Glen Avon's sixth goal, which is obviously the reason why he came on. But, Neil, when you look at a player like that coming on 13 years of age, you've seen Evan Ferguson for Bohemians and now he's gone over to uh, Brighton. Um, there is talented young players out there, but is this to put someone in the shop window, do you think? Uh, as I'll put it like this, Roy, as a coach and manager of an under-12 side, I cannot believe, sorry, an under-13 side, I find it incredible that you would have a 13-year-old kid physically ready, mentally ready, you know, ready for the physicality of a game like that. It's just unbelievable. So he, he must be just incredible if they're putting him in that situation. I've never heard of a kid that young. What was, I don't know what the, the previous record was, but, you know, you hear of some... 15, 16, 17 year olds making a few appearances but yeah, that the, just pre- seems- the previous record was a 42 year old record uh, Eamon Collins who played for Blackpool in 1980 aged yeah. 14 years and 323 days now from what I believe uh, and what I've heard Eamon didn't play again for another five years or something like four or five years for the club so that was a one off game uh, it could very well happen here as well Dave yeah, like the, the the other side of the story is Freddie Adu, you know. For every Evan Ferguson, there's Freddie Adu. He's still playing, would you believe? You know, so please God, uh, he's looked after. And But uh, the one thing I will, <laughs> I'd hate to be that guy sitting on the bench or sitting in the dressing room with being told the team, and like, I'm not playing for him. How fucking bad am I? Like, <laughs> uh, but... I wonder what the team talk was like with the manager going right. I want you to get, I, I want you to get stuck in, lads. You know, and you're you're uh, actually you're not playing very well today. Instead of like what he really wants to say, but uh, <laughs> yes, just just be careful and hopefully he gets looked after and, and he's a great chance of a career. Obviously, he's going to get extra attention now, and obviously the Sharks are going to have a little sniff around. But hopefully, it's done right. And like I said, for every Evan there is that ready to do. So just. Please God, hopefully he has a, he has a chance and uh, good luck to him. Let's hope, let's hope they do look after him and, and, and don't uh, ruin mm-hmm. it on him. He obviously has talent, so they obviously believe in him. Yeah. As you said, I've seen a picture of him. He's not physically a monster or anything like that, so he's obviously just technically gifted at the moment. So uh, it'll mm-hmm. be very easy to get destroyed in, in, in some of these games. So they need to pick and choose and look after him well. But I, again, I kind of think it's a shop window thing. Look at this player here. We could mm. do it a few quid, take them on, and 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 uh, we've seen that before in different leagues. Okay, we will talk about Paul Pogba. Dave's gonna uh, 
talk about uh, his brother and the shenanigans that are going on over there. But Neil Erling Haaland, again, as I said, he, he looked a bit like Zlatan with the finish that he finished the other day. But my God, the, the pass from Cancelo was equally as good. It was. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, look, City were knocking on the door for a number of minutes in this game and Dortmund just kept dropping and dropping. But Erling Haaland just kept making the runs, making the runs. I think just maybe two to three minutes before, a Hummels got one of these, you know, cross to the back post and Hummels got a little deflection away uh, just wide and Haaland was already in his slide ready to tap it in. So the guy is a monster at the moment. He's the hungriest monster I've come across in, in so long. And I mean, you were just waiting for it to happen. And Cancelo delivered the ball outside of the right boot across the 18-yard box. And he came up to around head height with his opposite foot to go across the goalkeeper. It was just, it was absolutely ridiculous it was. Like the athleticism alone was just phenomenal. And, you know, you can only applaud when you watch it sometimes. You were waiting for it to happen and he just delivers. And I saw a crazy stat today that said if he keeps goal scoring the way he is, by the uh, April May next year, he'll have 102 goals. So that'd be something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable because you've had a few people doubt whether he will be able to go into the Premier League and score as many goals. Not that he would be a flop or anything, because I think everyone believed that he mm. he had the thing in him, Dave. But he he definitely has just taken it on. It's like it's just another game. The leagues that he's playing in doesn't make a difference. His moves have been calculated as well. So he's going into a City team that are going to give him unbelievable amount of chances. When you look at Manchester City, if they can't win the league, or the not even the league, don't forget about the league, if they can't win the Champions League with Erling Haaland in it, what do they have to do? Exactly, and that's something that we've kind of scratched the surface on many a time. Look, the guy just—he's just too cool for school as well. Like he just—he just takes it all in, and the more attention, the more cooler he seems to get. Like it really doesn't seem to phase him, and he still stays razor sharp and razor focused on what he needs to do. I kind of watched the first half of the game, and then I kind of started to watch the goal show because for some reason. It never usually works for me, but it came alive last night. There was plenty happening across the board. But I found I found City for the first hour quite blunt in attack, to be honest. And I thought there was an overemphasis on every time they got the ball, where is he? And it's like you're pushing it. Like sometimes I thought they pushed it a little bit, and I'm not blaming him. It's more the players on the ball, and it's like it, that could be where there could be a small Achilles heel that they just focus a little bit too much on him, and there could be a guy in acres of space somewhere to the left or the right. And it's like, where's Erling? Now, obviously, what Cancelo did is, is beautiful, and we all love to see that. But that was kind of what they were trying to do the whole game. Now, it's easy to to say, well, it works, doesn't it? But what what about the couple of nights when it mightn't, when a centre-half has that game of his life, or the keeper makes a few sets? It's just, last year, we kind of poked holes at the fact that they didn't have a striker. Yes, everyone was a danger, man, because it was very much a team effort, and there was danger everywhere. And you couldn't really focus on one player because they were all dangerous. While now... It could be it could be more everyone just focus on this guy and we try and keep him quiet. Now obviously Guardiola is a clever man, I'm sure he'll have plan B's and here's what we need to do if they try and double up or triple up or God knows what they do with him. But I just found for the first hour it was and I think that's why it's interesting to see like why they keep winning kind of at the very end, maybe because obviously fitness wise they have a bit more, but I think well, even at that eventually Dave, they, Dave, even at that Dortmund had just gone to a third centre back. Yeah. And that didn't stop yeah, him. Probably to focus on him. Yeah. No, 
oh no, exactly. But at the same time, this is where it could be dangerous for them because they, they technically could maybe claim or they claim a fire because they keep winning in the last 15, 20 minutes in most games so far this year. More often than not, that doesn't keep up. If they can do that all year, Jesus, credit to them. But other teams, and if we talk about other, other teams who do that, eventually you say that bubble will burst and that look will run out and they won't get that equaliser or the winner. So all I'm just doing is just merely pointing out, as regards to him, you just keep doing what you're doing, mate, 100%, because he's an absolute goal machine and there's no, he's doing nothing wrong. It's just maybe once or twice not to force force the pass to him constantly and, and, and just kind of keep being steady and have him doing what he does. Yeah. And it, it, like I'm not even kind of, I'm not trying to fear monger. I just noticed that last year as well in the first few games Ronaldo came in, all Fernandez wanted to do was where was he? And he was making silly passes that just weren't there. And I just don't want to see that happen with City. I want him to be the well-rounded team and then he scores his 102 goals or whatever it may be. Don't lie, like Dave. Don't lie. Like you don't want to see him score any goals. Stop it now. No, you don't. <laughs> I've made me No, but I do. Like, he, he's the next star. We need him because, yeah. Jesus, if, I, cause if he doesn't come through, all we're going to hear about is what Messi and Ronaldo did all the time. And I'm like, oh, spare me. Like, you know, like, this is what happens. It is the Achilles heel though, Roy. I mean, this is why we always talk about City in Europe because as Dave said there, they have a couple of times this season gone a goal behind and they've just overpowered teams in the last half an hour. But yeah. in Europe, that's where you get punished and that's why they got punished last year. They were in total control of the game and all of a sudden they let it slip. And it's generally not on the front end of the, the pitch they let it slip. It's in the back line that they do when someone gets at them and a team is bold enough to take them on and all of a sudden you just see a side of City you haven't seen all season. So for like 50 games they're imperious and they're dominant and they're brilliant and then for 10 or 15 minutes they just drop their standards and it allows a team to sneak in behind and they got caught with it last year. Probably the last four years they've got caught in the same manner. So you're kind of waiting for it to happen again and it wouldn't surprise me again Haaland or not if it happened this year Yeah when I look at the goals for Manchester City the top scorers Haaland obviously has 13 second then is Alvarez with 3 and then you've got Foden's and Silva's and all 2's and 1's and yeah De Bruyne of 1 so it is heavily focused on them but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be able to change and, and, and Alvarez there no, uh, no. would be a, a worthy player if, if you know, Haaland was injured or anything like that. So, yeah, I totally ag- agree and understand the the angle you're coming at, and it's it's, it's a real possibility. Mm-hmm. But if Haaland gets injured, uh, it could dent their their prospects uh, for the year. But in the team, exactly in the team, if he's there, they have a great chance. This probably their best chance this year to win that Champions oh, yeah, League. Sure. Uh, you Neil, can't help but have extra confidence with him. Yeah, absolutely. Neil Jude Bellingham, I'm Morrisiem. The more I was watching the documentary kind of thing about him there the other day, the way he comes across, everything's so calculated and precise that he's a bit like Haaland with his career. He knows where he's going, when, and there's there doesn't seem to be any sort of messing around with him for such a person but so, so young. I look at him on the pitch though as well, and he is a he is a fine player. He 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 again playing above his age. He is, and I tell you, Roy, like he's been linked with Liverpool. Every Liverpool column inch, you know, when you're looking at, you know, what possibilities, what can be, they always say they want Bellingham. And I, I was looking at an interview with Steven Gerrard a couple of months ago, and he was asked who he thought was going to be the next kind of legacy midfielder for England. 
and he named Bellingham straight out the gap ahead of absolutely everybody. He said he's a monster. And again, you watched him the other night and he really, really looks good. The only thing from obviously a Liverpool perspective is you can't afford him and I don't think they ever will be to afford him unless, I don't know, they sold someone to get him in. But he's exactly, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I'd love to see him play his trade there. He has a little bit of everything. He can score. He's strong. There's a couple of uh, times the other night where you know, Dortmund were on the back foot and they kind of broke out of the back line and he was pressing fellas and it just looks, you know, he looks like a guy playing above his years and uh, wherever he does go, they're going to be a very fortunate team. But for now, he's still a very impressive player in that Dortmund setup. Yeah, and they're really relying on him and I think he was dead in his legs near the end of that game, the amount of work he was after putting yeah. in. And no surprise that Cancelo was in that kind of area of where he, where he was doing that shift when he, we hit that pass to Haaland. So just shows you how much they rate him there at Dortmund. They, uh, they're they not willing really to, to take him off. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he does move because he will move. There's no doubt about that. He definitely will move. Dave, uh, well, let's talk about Paul Pogba and his brother and how this is hampering his, not only his football, but his, his career and his it just must be a nightmare. Ah, it's it's just yeah. It's obviously the next chapter is obviously it's now become a criminal investigation and it's now been opened. And uh, Matthias Pogba, his brother, alongside three other men, have been taken into to custody in relation to the alleged blackmail plot against uh, his brother, uh, Paul Pogba, twenty nine years of age. So, so basically, what what, um, what, what do Mateus, we know about uh, what the allegations are and what's what, what's happening? Um, so, what do we know about his brother? Because he was a professional footballer as well. Well, to start off with him as a career, he they, they lived together uh, for a few years uh, in his first stint at Man United because uh, Matthias was with Wrexham for three seasons. Um, and obviously Wrexham is kind of just over the border, not too far away from the likes of Liverpool and Manchester. And he had a very much uh, a journeyman's career. Um, was with Wrexham for a couple of seasons, then on to Crewe. Escara, back to Crawley Town, up to Partick, start to Rotterdam, Rotterdam B, then to Tour in France, then I have no idea who Manchego, Ciudad Real are, and then a uh, Racing Murcia. So he kind of definitely did the rounds and obviously finished up this season, and he was uh, five caps for Guinea. Um, he's only 32 years of age. But him and these three other guys are part of uh, a group organised extortion attempt. Um, and obviously he's denied the attempts. Uh, the UVA midfielder has claimed that the group has requested the money for protection services stretching back the last 13 years. <laughs> um, he, he released a video back in August, Matthias, uh, and he vowed to expose explosive revelations about a sibling. Uh, the former Wrexham crew and Crawley Fall 32 claimed to know secrets about the UVA midfielder, Paul Pogba, his agent, and also France teammate Killian Mbappe all three of which have denied the allegations from Matthias. So French police have now confirmed that they've opened up a probe into him and the alleged group organised crime. So, um, yeah, he turned himself in and he's now in. I had another quick look at it and with um, with French sport, basically he says everything is going to be explosive and it's an attempt, obviously, to extort it, but it's... It, the, the Killian and Bappe part of it, there's not too much. It just says uh, he wants to bring him down alongside it. And uh, Matthias Bogba actually appealed directly to Mbappe at one point and tweeted to him, Killian, do you understand now? I have nothing against you, 
what I'm saying is for your good. Everything is true and known. The witch doctor is known. Sorry for this, brother. A so-called Muslim up to his neck in witchcraft. So, <laughs> that, uh, so that that's that that's that's, the that's, that statement yeah. there just makes a joke of it, doesn't that? I mean, is that like exactly? It, it, like it, I, I'm. I'm I'm waiting you're waiting for this sort of oh my god what has happened there's something serious going on and then they're talking about witch doctors and then you're going right and okay exactly so what who knows listen this is probably guys put this is a bit similar to um Benzema and Samir Nasri potentially there could be gangs who are just infiltrating some of these guys or hung up with them, hung around with them when they were younger and I've seen an opportunity and seen a moment and obviously got it, got, got Matthias involved and said, look, we need, we need a few quid and this is our chance. That's only a guess. Let's, let's find out. Obviously they're, they're in now. They're in custody since yesterday. And um, so obviously more will, will, will come out on this, but just absolutely bonkers. If he was faced right now, if I was Deshaun, I'd be like, do I bring him to the World Cup? Because God knows, would he even be playing at the moment? Like, I think his knee injury is a blessing for him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the truth. But yeah, his, his head certainly wouldn't have been in it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, that means France aren't going to win it now if Pogba's not playing, obviously. <laughs> he was the key to it all, seemingly. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to, be see where, interesting to see where this all develops and where it goes. And, and I mean... Yeah. What kind of what kind of family do you have? You know, I mean, you don't need them kind of aegis uh, in your family. But there you go. That's Paul Bagba and his actually fa- apologies. Just one second, apologies. I said Karen Bedwa and Samir Nasri. Actually, I got it wrong. It was uh, what's the name? Matthew Balbuena, yes, ex Marseille player, and Karen Bedwa. Okay, Grant, that's okay. So we, we've 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 said that. Just in case you get lynched. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Listen, we're gonna leave it there. Um, Premier League will be back this week. Um, there's a lot coming up now. I know there's international games on the way. Uh, the World Cup's not too far off. It's creeping up on us. So, uh, and uh, week in week out, we'll have Champions League, Europa League, and uh, uh, Conference League. So there's all sorts of football going on, left, right, and centre. There's really a lot to talk about. We'll talk this next week. <laughs>